Well, you've heard me say sometimes it's already written, and this is, this is a prime example. I mean, what a chance of me being back here on, on, on Houston Astros, where I got my first hit back in Atlanta, you know, I mean, back when I was a kid. Um, like you said, when I came by, I guess it's Georgia State field now. You know, every time I used to come by there, um, going to the hotel, I would think of, you always think about, you know, it's like going back by your high school or your college. If you pass it all the time, you think about different memories. So you just think about, you know, all the things that transpired you know, in your life here. You know. This is kind of where I grew up in, in my professional career. That was Dusty Baker, manager of the Houston Astros, talking yesterday about returning to Atlanta and um, Game 3 of the World Series, which goes tonight at 8 o'clock on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan series is tied up at one game apiece, 3, 4, and 5 in Atlanta. No DH in play. We'll see how Dusty Baker decides to play it. Steve Sparks, Houston Astros radio analyst. Joins us at 10.30. Mark Bradley, Atlanta Journal-Constitution columnist as well. Jeff Passan joins us for our weekly uh, weekly look around the game. It is Blair and Barker. A reminder, as always, if you like the show, you can subscribe to Blair and Barker wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show. How you doing, Bark? Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. We have a lot to talk about. First of all, though, I mean, we'll get we'll talk we'll get the Marcus Semyon and Scott Boris, and we'll tell you why. And I'm going to give Blue Jays I'm going to give Blue Jays fan maybe I just happen to follow the smart Blue Jays fans on social media. I don't know, maybe. Um, but I, I, I normally the announcement that Marcus Semyon that a Jays free agent was signing with Scott Boris, there'd be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth and blah blah blah. Oh my God, we're never going to get. Marcus Semyon back, and I'm going to give Jays fans credit, the smarter ones. I mean, the ones who know who they should pay attention to and who they should read to find out what's really going on with the team. The smarter fans took a step back and go, yeah, doesn't mean what it used to mean. Marcus Semyon's with Scott Boris. But before we get to all that, big news today out of uh, the Dominican Winter League, Kevin Parker. <laughs> How about that? Escajito has finally found, when was the last year you played for Escajito? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. They finally found a replacement for your size 13 and a half. How about shoes that? At first base, finally. Ending a search that has gone on for almost a decade. Took a first ballot Hall of Famer. It took Albert Pujols, a first ballot Hall of Famer, to replace <laughs> Kevin Barker. Or Kevin Baker, as he's affectionately known. How about known. that? Um, Albert Pujols was acquired was acquired. He had to trade for him. He was acquired from Agulus? Was it Agulus? Gigantes. Gigantes for Melky Mesa and Edward Paredes. Escajito, which is one of the two teams in the capital, Santo Domingo, there's Escajito, there's Lise. Mm-hmm. Uh, Escajito acquiring Albert Pujols yesterday in a trade. And uh, hmm. Albert Pujols will be at first base. Well, he's actually playing for the team. Yeah, he's he's try he he's playing, and he is. You know, most people are saying that is an indication that he wants to come back next year. We had Ned we had Ned Kletty on. Remember, we had Ned Kletty on a couple of couple of 
a, a week ago, and and uh, uh, was it Ned? Was it Ned? We were talking, and we said, would you, would you, if you were a major league general manager, would you bring Albert to back next year? Obviously, yeah. it would have to be the right team. He said, hell yeah. Anyhow, so Albert Pujols That's- is going to be playing first base. At- Kevin Barker, I just, did, did he call you? Did he ask for your uniform number? Did he offer you I a think Rolex? He, or he may have lost like my number. He may have lost my number. So he, has, I have not gotten that phone call. I'm still waiting for the text. Maybe he'll text me. Ask me how, how it is over there, what he should do, what he, what he should expect, all those things that go into <laughs> being a you know a great first baseman and winner ball, those kind of things. Uh, you, you know, that, that just screams to me that he obviously does want to come back sure. and play. But, you know, the first thing I thought of when I heard that was right-handed pitcher, velocity. You know, the one you're looking low- at it. He's a Hall of Famer. You're looking well, you at it improperly. You, you, you want to come back next year. You want to put a. You know, want to send out an impression to other teams that might, might want to pick you up. A bad, a bad team's not picking him up. A good team yeah, that that thinks fair. that he can. You know, maybe DH in both leagues. Which hopefully that's the case next year. Can hit velocity and can hit do it against the right-handed pitcher. You can't. You can't put Albert Pujols on your team just to hit lefties. You just you that's just, a fair, you that's just a fair cannot point. do that. So the reason why you would go to—that's why I said—is he actually playing? Point. Yeah, he's going to play. Well, that 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 would tell. Well, why not? He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like that's why you don't go to winter ball. But on the flip side of that is you're trying to set send it out that yeah I can still get the foot down and get it singing against Velocity and a, and a right handed pitcher. He ain't, he, he ain't and, gonna be he ain't gonna be over there long. No, I, well I'm I, hey, it's well, not well I don't know. I will say this. I mean, first of all, it's it's great for the Dominican Winter League. Winter leagues, winter leagues don't get the the star power they used to get. Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> well, that you should take that as an you should take that. That's not an insult. That's that's a. I was over. There, I was over there every single year. Yeah, but the the point <laughs> is, Jesus, David Ortiz played over there. David Ortiz he's, played he's over there. there. I, I, but, actually, but there are, actually, Mo said you can't play for us because you'd mess our team up. I was standing right beside him when he said that to David Ortiz. David Ortiz said, hey, I'd like to come play for you. He's like, where, where are you at in your swing? I, I kid you not, that was the conversation. I was standing right beside him. And and David said, ah, you know, I'm in between. I'm trying to get ready for spring training. Absolutely not. You well, can come over. And, and this <laughs> is, no, but this is yeah. the thing. The, when, when I mean, This is serious business. There's a lot of money at stake for these teams. Uh, the and and I mean they're they're generally I don't want to go off the whole thing about winter ball, but there are players who play every Tony Pena played every winter ball game every year yeah. that he was in the majors. He caught every game. He was my manager with the Agulus. Agulus, yes, and oh, yeah. he's he's a legend. He's he he's a he, legend over there too. He is. He played every game. There are other guys who sign with teams and won't play until the playoffs. Like, I think Vladdy, is Vladdy Escajito or Lise? Escajito. Escajito. All right, so they may play in the playoffs. They may join the team for the Caribbean World Series. I mean, it's just, but, Bark, that doesn't surprise me because Mm -hmm. it is serious business. There is a lot of money at stake for these teams. And, yeah, the the days are gone where a guy could just go, hey, Mo, I need four games to get, get my swing down for spring training. Depends what? on where they're at in their, in their season. Exactly. You know, Escajito's trying to t- trying to beat up on Lasay, vice versa. Th- those teams take that serious. Those games that time of the year, and he, even the David Ortiz's, because obviously it was in Spanish, and they were just ah, la, 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 back and forth. And I said, Mo, what did you just say to him? And when he told me, I was like, Really? But that <laughs> is no, they they don't you, David Ortiz. You got to go over there to play. And if they've got a guy, if they've got a guy from North America who's raking 
and is winning games for them. They're not going to take him out of the lineup for somebody who's trying to get themselves into shape. They're just, they're just not. You know, we talked to, I told you the story about Cliff and Rondell. Cliff and Rondell were over there in 94 during the player strike. Cliff Floyd and Rondell White. And they weren't comfortable. And it, it's a different, it's a, it is a different world. And they were just set up. Well, if you're not comfortable, leave. Yeah. Just that, leave. The, I mean, the, we're the, not, we're not going to, you're not going to sit on the bench. If, if you're not comfortable, leave. Go. Every time I think of Nate Pearson, I think of Winter Bowl. Man, I, if you're if you're the Blue Jays mm. organization, you take Nate Pearson to Winter Bowl and oh, just I'm, I'm lear- learning you. how to mentally grind through something that you're going oh. through at that level, at that magnitude with the, with the fans and and just what it takes to every day go over there and pitch it would be good for him. What was Quite your number in Winter Bowl? I have no idea. I had many numbers. It was small though. wasn't sixty. <laughs> How about that? Was yeah. it ever? It was small. It was like five. No, absolutely not. No, I, I would. I, I'd have to look it up. I mean, I, there's, I'm sure there's tons of pictures of me in, in Escajito yeah. with my number. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Bafo could look it up. And uh, I should also remind you, by the way, those games, those games have four or five pages in the newspaper the next day of each game. Well, it depends on what, what part of the season they're in. You know, if, if it's in the grind of the, of the, of the winter ball season, not as much, but you get to the playoffs and, and you're, and, and you're, you know, Escajita against will say, yeah, them serious. This did you get interviewed when you played? Absolutely. But it was, you know, it was broken. I did the best I could. Of course you, I, I would, I, work, bet, I would, I, I would I work through it. Would. I would work through it. And, you know, and, and when it, <laughs> with my, my, again, I, I had the best time over it. I can't, I, I know I've said this many times and, and I couldn't wait to go. I couldn't wait to be a part of that, that, you know, that, that draft of if you play for a different, because I played for Aguilas and yeah. I had to, and you, you had to be drafted to go because Aguilas when I was over there wasn't in the playoffs all the time, right? And you had to be drafted and you got certain amount of draft picks if you were a playoff team. And I can I can know for a fact that other other GMs were because I was good over there, but we're we're you know trying to maneuver around to try and figure out how to get me on their team. Most no different. So. Yeah, it, it, was, it was it was awesome. Like yeah, it was, it was, it was it, I can still remember the the conversation of Mo picking up the phone and calling me and saying, "I just drafted you to come play for me in the playoffs." I couldn't wait. Like I get me get me on the plane. I can't wait to get over there and play for you. It was so much fun because I know how how it is. You Batista played for Lasse. Yep, and I played against him in the playoffs one time. And it's just it's a it's a and there's a lot of fun. And there is like there's there's a whole family thing. The Alu family. I believe are all Escajito. Now I know Felipe managed them a bit. Uh, they, yeah. I think. I wonder if they changed at some point because Mo is. Yeah, I, I maybe I shouldn't say yeah, that. I, I wonder speak. if there was if there was a little because I also know when I was down there covering it, Mo was playing for Agulus one year and and uh, and and was hurt and wasn't playing when I was down there. But he was. Yeah, yeah. He was drafted by Agulus and played for Agulus, which is. Where are they located? They're not in. They're not in. Are they in San Pedro? San Pedro. Uh, they're definitely not in Santo Domingo. The capital city teams are Lise and Escajito. Anyhow, yeah. Um, yeah that we. But I just thought I thought it was cool when uh, Albert Pujols playing playing traded. And if you're interested, it's like, it's like that. It's like that coach that that uh, you got got rid of Michael Jordan in high school. Yeah, who you traded Albert Pujols? You can uh, you can you can see the games on uh, on was it. Lance, are we saying MLB yeah. Network or MLB.com? You can see the winter ball games, right? Yeah, yeah if you're interested. You know why that was, too? I, I bet Albert had a little something to do with that, too, because he's wanting to be seen, and he's wanting to be seen from teams in the States. might be a little easier to yep. see the, him, you know, in Escajito, the, the capital, those kind of things. So I'm sure he had 
his hand a little bit. Of, hey, why don't you trade me? I'm 41. I'm not going to play every day, but I want to play enough to show him that I can hit some velocity from a right-handed pitcher. Mm. Uh, boy, we got a lot of news to get to. Let's 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 get to this before we uh, before we shift focus to to Game Three of the World Series. We mentioned at the start of the show John Heyman reporting that Scott Boris, uh, that Marcus Semyon has signed with Scott Boris, sh- switched agencies. Uh, I will just there nothing has been made official yet, but um, anytime anything has to do with the Scott Boris client and John Heyman reports it, it's from Scott Boris directly Scott Boris. to John Heyman. That that's they've had a Boris is good. Uh. They've had had a relationship going back years now. There are people out there, of course, Scott Boris. Oh, my God, that means Marcus Simeon is not going to sign with the Jays. First of all, I don't think it has any impact on whether or not Marcus Simeon signs for the, maybe with, if you with ask, the Jays. Maybe if you ask Ross, he might have a little different answer for that because it's going to be a little tougher now. You know, you, The money is going to be what the money is, and the Jays are probably going to have to give an extra year, a year more than everybody else. That's if you're if you're a good Jays fan, you st- you still got Bo Vladdy and George Springer. Yeah, but but here's here's the thing with Marcus Simeon and, and Scott Boris. Um, I mean, Scott Boris's relationship with this front office has changed. When Paul Beeston was president and CEO of the team, the two of them just didn't get along, and it was James Paxton, I believe, was the, was. Kind of the it, it, that's kind of where where it really fell apart. The Jays had drafted James Paxton out of Kentucky. Um, uh, Paul Beeston did a, a bunch of interviews where he uh, mentioned that they had been talking to Scott Boris about James Paxton. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, because James Paxton was in college, he was not supposed to be represented by an agent. Now you can be unofficially represented by an agent, yeah. but bottom line is that contravened NCAA rules and uh, Paxton was suspended by the University of Kentucky mm-hmm. and none of us would have known about it, but it was my Globe and Mail colleague at the time, Rob McLeod, who did an interview with Paul Beeston and Beeston mentioned it. And I remember reading the interview and I swear to God, we we're all reading it. And we're going, oh, okay, nobody, it, it, it didn't register in our mind. Anyhow, so that was... That negotiation not only did it not get anywhere, but because Beeston spilled the beans, James Paxton ended up ended up yeah, being that, suspended. But of course, the past couple of years, Scott Boris repped Hyunjin Ryu. The the Jays signed him. Scott Boris repped Austin Martin. The Jays gave him, we think, way too much money. Way too. Much. Anyhow, so what I'm saying is the relationship between Scott Boris and this particular front well, office is much better than the relationship we're, five years ago. We're, remember when Paul Beeston was here, too, the Blue Jays weren't handing out five-year contracts. No, they were that, not. That's, that's the right. whole thing, too, was. And and when you're you're an agent like like that agent is, what's the first thing you're going to ask for? Years, term. And when you're not getting it from an organization that you think should probably be giving them out, you're going to butt heads. And that's sort of what happened. Yeah. And uh, Mark, uh, and I cannot, I can't remember the name of Marcus Simeon's previous agent last year, but he was quoted last year in, uh, in in reports on the San Francisco Chronicle when Marcus was a free agent, saying that he wanted Marcus was looking for five years and 125 million. Now I'm looking for five years and 125 million too, but get in line. Uh, yeah, but the, it, it, we know, of course, Marcus settled on a one-year contract, a pillow contract, you know, where you you sign with a team, you you play your value up. I, I've always said, Kevin, if I'm a player and I'm a good player, Scott Boris is the first agent I call. Yeah. 
It, he he just is. And yeah. and I, I think, look, I think if anything, this might make it a little easier for the Jays. The Jays, I think the relationship with Scott Boris is good enough that they'll know early in the process yeah. whether or not they've got a realistic not, shot assignment. I'm not going to get too deep into this, but when I, I, I was a good player at one time when I was younger, Jeff, and I, and I actually tried to get that, that super agent. And for whatever reason, maybe he didn't think I was real good. Maybe, maybe he made the right choice. He wasn't biting, and I had to go to somebody else. So that, you know, it, it, you it, did okay though. Your agent, you did okay. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I guess you know, it, it, towards the end of my career, you, you could argue I didn't. Towards the end of my career, many home runs I had in minor leagues. I was trying to go overseas. I was trying to okay. go to Japan and play there because you, you older guys, it's sort of like winter ball. Just put up or shut up over there. It's no, there's no in between. It doesn't matter really about the number, your age, those kind of things. It's all about performance and. I just felt like the, towards the end of my career, I wasn't getting the opportunities that I should have been getting. And this is this is this is what mm-hmm. you do for your family when when you've done something that no second baseman's ever done in the, in the history of baseball. Yeah, you, you probably go to the super guy. Joel Wolf was who he represented, by the way, uh, or who who represented uh, Marcus Semyon. Well, if, so if Scott Scott Boris has basically once again got everybody you want in free agency this year. If there's anybody that can get him five years, it will be Scott Boris. Anybody. Now there are, you made this point when we were talking about it off air. There are teams that I would think will be scared off because we'll be scared off by it. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, if you're in the market for Marcus Semyon a week ago, are you any less inclined to be in the market now? By the way, Marcus Semyon is a finalist for the Gold Glove along yeah, you, with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. You, you, you mentioned could, that. And Jose Barrios. You could probably talk Dodgers might be interested in Marcus Semyon. Uh, Angels, Yankees, Texas. Yankees, Angels, Texas. Those are big-time teams. Probably ain't going to be scared off. So if, if the teams that matter are okay sitting in the room with a guy that, that, of Scott, uh, that Scott Boris knows and, and probably respects, and it's it's – felt the same way by the organization and and they know if they pick up the phone with Scott's calling that it's going to be a big number it's going to be long term and and if you don't you probably shouldn't be picking up the phone no and it's a it, it's a smart it's the right move for Marcus Simeon absolutely Samuel. if he's going right if Marcus he'll Samuel. take you he probably feels like it, very confident that he can get you what you're asking for yeah or, or he's not going to take you yeah so that's where we are uh, i think both Kevin and myself are on the same page i don't think it I don't think the Jays' chances of signing Marcus Semyon are any worse today than they were before he hooked up with Scott Boris. I don't know if they're any better, to no. be honest. But I'm okay with that because I think I think at the end of the day, we could probably, it'll probably take us five minutes to figure out what it will take to get Marcus Semyon signed. Yeah, I'll say this. If they hurry up and trade for, for that third baseman and, and with the Guardians then the chances of Marcus Simeon coming here and playing second base is probably not very good. You, right. really, you really don't need to. You could use that money to to solidify spots out of the bullpen, get you a couple more starters, been there and done it, guys. Know how to pitch down the stretch when it matters the most. So for me, a lot of that determines on what they do with that guardian situation. And if they can trade for him, if they can't, then you'll see that go a different direction, I believe. We just we got was it a big a, number? A little bit, a little bit of uh, investigative reporting. Sixty-seven. By our I Mark wrote, sixty-seven. That's I can't a, believe that's that. That's a big ass number. Yeah, I can't dude. believe that. That you wore you sure, sixty-seven you sure, in winter you sure ball. That's the number. They're looking. They got a Escajito, pick. red jersey. It's sixty-seven. I was so good over there. I don't even remember. I, I, I'll rarely toot my own horn. Maybe 60, on this show about what I've done. Maybe the reason was winter you were ball, six for seven every series. I will anymore. go a tootin'. 
Okay. Because I tooted a lot over there. 67 is a... That's a big number. That's a big number. I'm not sure why it's 67. I mean, if you get 67, you might as well get 69. Really? I'm just saying. <laughs> really? No, I don't want that. I'd rather have 69. Really? Like, you're such a... What is wrong with you? Nothing. I'm just saying it. There, there's a there's a there is absolutely a, a symmetry no, that to is 69. Not what you were talking. That's not what you were thinking. There's a yin and a yang to 69. Well, you got to be comfortable in your own skin to actually say it out loud on live radio. Yeah, that's true. Uh, anyhow, 67. 67. I'm shocked. Yeah, I am too. I thought it would be. I thought it was like in the in the 40s. You sure 67's right? Can't believe that. I mean, that's even bigger than your number with the Jays, for God's sake. I appreciate that, Jeff. Yeah, I think it's 60 with the Jays. But J.P. Ricciardi, he, he wouldn't have known me if I fell on him when I played for the Jays. Wouldn't have known me if I walked by and bumped into him, knocked all of his, all of his you know, notepads out of his hand. Yeah. Can I see your driver's license? <laughs> he had no idea. This story came out of the blue last night. And really, there are a lot of times where a manager gets a job with, when Tony La Russa was hired by the White Sox, a lot of people thought, wow. That's not what I thought. But when I found out, when we found out yesterday that Bob Melvin had left the Oakland A's to sign a three-year contract to manage the San Diego Padres, the first thing is, for the Padres, this is... This is the this is the guy you want. This is the guy who fits who 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 fits the well, template. But the surprise, Kevin, I think, was that we just thought Bob Melvin was going to be with the Oakland A's forever. And I think the the question right now, first of all, it appears as if as if there's no compensation going any other going yeah. to Oakland, which makes me think that Bob Melvin and Billy Bean they've been together forever. And I'm sure have. Bob just went to Billy and said, "Billy, you know, I kind of done. I mean, I've I've done what I can do here." And Padres doing pretty good. Padres are <laughs> think I can go over good. there. Awfully Man. good. Team. Awfully good team. But if I'm an Oakland A's fan right now, there's we know that Billy Bean has been now, we know that he turned down the Mets. Uh, and Billy Bean, by the way, has an ownership stake. We need to remind you an ownership stake in the Oakland Athletics. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who are looking at this and thinking that this is going to be the beginning of the end uh, of this A's run. Maybe. Maybe they're they're moving cities. Do you you call them? Maybe they're moving cities. Do you call them about their third baseman? He's right-handed. If the the A's are looking to get rid of him. I don't think they need another right-handed hitter. I'm just saying. They don't have Marcus Semyon. Maybe you make a call. Maybe you make a call. Dude can hit. I Balance. Think balance, Jeff. All right. Yeah, just throwing that out there. Uh, But Bob Melvin going to the Padres is. Unbelievable. It's a great move for the Padres. Absolutely, as a guy who well, can be there forever. He's a guy. Who, he's a guy who can be there forever. He's yeah. a guy who is known as a really good tactician. Boy, talk to anybody who's he, played for him. Talk me, to anybody me, who's played for he him. He was the bench coach when I was in Milwaukee. Was he really? Absolutely. And when he raised his hand, even when he was a bench coach with the Brewers when I was there, people stopped what they were doing and listen. That, what have we been talking about the Padres? They need a leader. They mm-hmm. need a guy when he walks in the room that has some clout. He basically took Oakland that that has a payroll like the Rays yeah. and runs them into being contenders every single year. Now that he has talent, how's that going to look? Oh, man. 
yeah, it, it's a, it's a really good, it, 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 it's, it's a really good signing for the Padres. Absolutely. It, it just is. I, it's, it's so good, Kevin, that I don't. Can't believe it. Well, his name never came up. No. His name never came up. I, mean, I went back and looked. At no point was there even a suggestion. My first reaction is, if Bob Melvin, why aren't the Mets all over Bob Melvin? Now, maybe Bob Melvin maybe Bob Melvin didn't want to go. Maybe, right? maybe, maybe he didn't want to go. Maybe Bob said it was only the Padres and nobody else. Maybe that was the conversation yeah, behind closed doors. I'm St. Assuming. Louis, St. Louis, why you're, wouldn't you? If you're Bob Melvin, why would you want to go to the Mets? I know, but I wonder how many teams are sitting there right now thinking, holy Jesus. Like it, it, it had to be that it had to be that Bob Melvin sat down with Billy Bean and said, look, this is this is kind of where we are. Yeah. And this is this is the only place I'd go. Hopefully for the hopefully for the Padres too, there's American League rules, there's the DH, which oh. he knows how to handle. All all the all the things. Again, for me, they were missing a piece. We talk about what managers mean all the time on this show. I've had a bazillion of them. Mm. My 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 thoughts on that are a little different than than everybody else's. But if you think about a team that needs that guy that can speak for everybody else, so the team doesn't have to speak, and more to the point, the GM doesn't have to speak. Mm-hmm. Go hide yourself, do your job, and I'll take care of all the talking. Bob's a good talker. He really is. Like he'll he'll say the things that need to be say, and that that's all he'll say. And more importantly, he'll say it to his team. That's that's you. If you're the Padres and you're a fan of the Padres, you could not get a better manager. Absolutely, that could be here forever. Like is establishing your team and a winning culture from here on out for the however many years you want to sign him and keep him there, basically until he wants to be done managing. When we talked Perfect. about the guys that we had thought about, were all guys who are out of the game. Maybe um, like Bruce Bochy's name Old. had come up. Older guys. This this, this is a guy. He's a, he's a, this guy's a younger guy who who can relate to the younger player. And oh, well, he, yeah, he's sixty. Well, I mean, that's younger than seventy two or sixty six or seventy yeah. or whatever it was. But the point is, he he he's a guy who brings all. He's a guy who brings all of that veteran maturity stuff to your clubhouse who managed this year. So it's yeah. not like he's been out of the game. He he managed yeah, this absolutely. year. Absolutely. And and, sort and of he brings, takes team and what does he do? He takes his freaking teams to the playoffs. There you go. And bring takes a, them to the bring playoffs. a little that Oakland way over there of, you know, a mixture of how do you do it without spending a ton of money? We and also have tons of money. Well, just because you have it don't mean you should always spend it. Now they got about seven hundred million dollars on the on the left side of the infield. So how you know he brings you just everything you want in the manager to a team that needs a a vocal leader. I think we're on the. Oh, it's perfect. I think we're on the same page. Well, I here. played it's, for him. It's, I've it's seen a genius it. move. I've seen it firsthand. It's a genius. It's a perfect move. move for the Padres. Game three of the World Series goes tonight. The scene has shifted to Atlanta. A lot of focus on Dusty Baker. It's where Dusty Baker started. Famously, Dusty Baker was on deck when Hank Aaron hit that home run. You know about Dusty Baker's career, his 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 reputation. This is where it kind of all started and boy oh boy if you believe in symmetry and all that good stuff dusty baker winning a world series in atlanta somehow houston wins the next three games dusty baker celebrating on the same field or within the same city that hank aaron there's all sorts of stuff going on here but but dusty baker's also got some decisions to make how is he going to handle that 
Steve Sparks is the Astros radio analyst. He'll join us next. You're listening to Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. De lado, Kevin Baker. El envío saca batazo de fly profundo al bosque derecho, cuadrangular bestial para Kevin Baker. Y los Leones toman el comando del juego, cuatro carreras por tres. Es un palo que se va de jonrón y el terreno de los fanáticos presidentes enciende temporada de fanáticos presidentes. El que goza es el que gana. That was the call of, oh. of Kevin Baker. They called you Kevin Baker, and, and the pitcher you were facing was a dude named Baker, so it's understandable. <laughs> I, I don't know who it was, but uh, that was your home run in the Caribbean World Series. No, no, it wasn't. Was it, it was, the Caribbean World Series? It was Series? not. I think it's just a regular season game. I thought it was a Caribbean. So why do we play it then? It's well, not that big a deal. Because it's pretty cool. It, actually, it rarely is. If you, if you want to see something funny and see me lighting up umpires, well, this just, is the just thing. type in Kevin Barker Escajito. Or Kevin Baker Escajito. Probably won't pull it up if you do that, but okay. you can listen Okay, to that. yeah. Kevin Barker, Escajito, go online. Maybe we should, Mark, can we uh, can we tweet that out? I don't know if there's any rights violations or whatever. But, yeah, Barker hits his home run. Well, for the, the first pitch. But the, the first umpire. pitch, the umpires got, it was like Eric <laughs> Gregg. It was the son of Eric Gregg. I mean, the call was the call was this this far out. I mean, it. Tearing him up. The, I mean, it was worse than an Angel Hernandez call. It was, it was, and, yeah, you lit him up, man. I You're did. turning around. All the time. What, was, what Ever, language would you tear these guys in? Well, I, I, I think that I think that was an American umpire. Okay. So he, he understood what I was saying, what well, I was the, selling. I'm sure the Dominican umpire would understand anyhow what you were saying. Because you were... I was, I was not... Were, I, you, I would not hold back. You a cocky, arrogant guy there, man. Uh, you know, you had a little I, swag. You had a little swag. Occasionally, you earn it. And I earned it over there. Say that. Hmm. Well, we've had, we've had a lot of fun walking down oh. uh, the, the winter ball Anybody memory... Ever? You ever want to see me get fired up? Just start playing that stuff and and hearing my name. It's just man. Well, it's it, I, that's except the, the guy I called you Baker, uh, not Barker. I don't care. Other than me going to the big leagues. All right, I had so much fun over there. Game three of the World Series goes tonight in Atlanta. Steve Sparks is the Astros radio analyst. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Sparky, did you play in the? Uh, did you ever play Winter Bowl? That was actually me uh, broadcasting that game. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> that was my best. That was my best uh, uh, dialect. Uh, did you pitch in winter ball at all? I did. Yeah, I played uh, in Venezuela, Dominican Republic, and Mexico. Wow, nice! You did the trifecta. I did. Yeah, you know, all, every, everywhere but uh, Puerto Rico, but. Uh, yeah, and the Dominican you mentioned, Escajito, I played for Licey, which was the yeah. other team in, in, in the capital. And uh, a lot of great memories. We had some unbelievable players on that. What was funny is we had the Martinez brothers, the Perez brothers, all these guys, but there was a man among boys on our team back then, and it was Jose Rio, and it wasn't even close. Oh, my God. Wow, Jose Rio. Jesus. Yeah, he was an animal. More ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank, hey, Steve, thanks for joining us. I know it's a, it's a heck, it, it, it's a busy time. Look, we talked about Dusty going to Atlanta, and that's going to be one of the storylines here. There's obviously, the, the, there's, it's a city of immense historical significance for Dusty. But Dusty's also got some decisions to make here because now you're in the National League Park. There is no designated hitter. 
How do you think Dusty plays this? It's it's not a decision for me, you know, and I, I know that it's pretty good uh, conversation, but I don't think there's any way you can take either Michael Brantley or Jordan Alvarez out of the lineup. So you're going to have to slide Tucker, your right fielder, into center field uh, and, and put uh, the other two guys on the corners. Alvarez will be in left field, right field Michael Brantley, and you still have that potent lineup. I think it's imperative that those guys play. And if you're winning late in the ball game, then you make that defensive replacement. Luis Garcia, all it took uh, is, you know, what they're saying is a a little bit of his heel more on the rubber. Now he's throwing three miles an hour harder. Uh, he's got looks like he's got way more confidence on the mound. Is that all it took, or was it a little bit more to, to it than that? No, it was something that Brent Strom wanted to do with him for five or six weeks. He and I talk about just almost every single day, and it was something that he wanted Garcia to do. And you know, sometimes with young players, you don't want to mess with them when they're having success, especially. Uh, as it gets to the latter stages of the season. And every once in a while, you might be wrong to begin with, right? But it was something that he felt like he was collapsing so badly on his backside that uh, he felt like he could help him get back to where he was earlier in the season. Well, if it wasn't for the injury, there wouldn't have been an opportunity to to make that tweak. And what it was, it was getting his heel closer toward home plate where he couldn't collapse. Uh, He could stand a little bit more tall at at the top of his delivery and his balance point and drive toward home plate. And he let his arm catch up with his body. And, and voila, his, his velocity got back to where it was earlier in the season. So, yeah, you know, you know, 95 to 97 miles per hour this yeah. time of year with some, with some nasty off-speed secondary stuff. How, uh, how, it's pretty good. How do you think the conversation went with Dusty? There's got to be a lot of confidence in Dusty, pitching coach, to be able to go. You know, he did this during the regular season, but I see this if we've corrected it. I know we should have more confidence in him to go out there and at least give us a chance to win. Is it that easy of a conversation, or do you have to have you know be a little bit better salesman to Dusty and go? I trust me, this is going to work. Yeah, I don't think you have to sell it at this time of year. You don't have very many options, especially this year. Everybody's on fumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing relievers pitch way more innings than starters to begin with. So. What choice do they have to try to right the ship with, with one of your own? And, you know, if it, you know, he comes out of the game for a knee, knee injury, and if you can, he can do something where he can still continue to pitch and, and log some innings perhaps, then you've got to give it every chance you have. So I don't think it's a huge sale job just for, for the fact that, you know, it's been a, a, the law of attrition with, with all these pitchers right now. Now, Steve, uh, anybody who's watched baseball be – had an, has had an appreciation for Michael Brantley. We've talked here about how we know the Jays made a run at him in the offseason, and I, I close my eyes and I picture Michael Brantley in this Jays lineup, and I, I mean, I just, you know, you just, you, your, your, your mind just, it just explodes at, at, at what mm-hmm. he could have meant, what he could have meant to this lineup. What is it about him that, has allowed he seems to have a knack of really letting the ball travel in and he he doesn't at all you know appear as if he's ever rushed he always appears to be under control whether it's even if it's a lefty even if it's a funky lefty what is it about his approach that allows him to just be so resolute in it yeah you, you know talking to the hitting coaches they just say you know he's exactly the same every single day so that's going to rub off on everybody else so there's the routine and you guys know you gain a lot of confidence uh, not in results a lot of time. As you get to be the, the stature of a Michael Brantley, you get confidence in your preparation. And, and if you go out there and you do the same thing and you trust that what you do 
in your pregame work and your video work and all that stuff that it's going to carry into the game, then that means everything. That means the game slows down a little bit. You're talking about letting the ball travel. That's, that's slowing the game down because mm. if your eyes are going toward the pitcher, it's speeding everything else up. That, that happened to Kevin his whole career. So uh, that's a fact. I, I, I'm just saying it, there's the calmness there. And that's, that's a bit intimidating for a pitcher is to be able to take so many close pitches with two strikes. Uh, the Astros do that pretty good up and down their lineup. And for me, uh, that's intimidating. I remember in the back of my mind saying a lot of times with two strikes and somebody took a close one, just wonder how in the world did you take that? You know, and, you know, it's telling you that maybe your stuff isn't that good. Maybe you you just don't really know if you have anything for that particular hitter. And Brantley does that over and over and over again. He's just really good with his hands hitting the ball where it's pitched. It, it still kind of kind of puzzles me that the teams shift on him as much as they do because he's such a good bat manipulator. Um, but he's a lot of fun. Like like you said, we thought he was with the, the Blue Jays a couple of years ago. In the offseason, there was about a six-hour window where we thought, man, that was fun having him for a couple of years. But uh, they were very fortunate they got him for two more. You, you, excuse me. You think uh, the, the uh, Astros are far enough re- removed from 2017, all the things that went on there, that going on the road, hostile crowd, not going to be a big deal? It's not going to be a big deal. I mean, everybody, it was all that pent-up uh, anger uh, because of all the cutouts last year. And when it got to full capacity or even – half capacity during this season, then they wore it. I mean, I've never, ever, ever experienced a team. And we've got our crowd mics down there. And I've got headphones on. And it's, hmm. it's amazing what some of those ladies say, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it's been hostile. Uh, and I think uh, this team, in that regard anyway, is it, pretty fearless, uh, knowing that uh, it, there's nothing that you can throw at them that's, that's going to get them off of their game anyway. You might, get, you, you might beat them, you know, and that's – certainly possible the Braves are a great team and, and the Astros might lose but they're not going to get thrown off their game because of the the environment on a road game Astros radio analyst Steve Sparks joins us on Blair and Barker it was fun watching Jose Siri in game two what what does the future hold for him because obviously Houston's going to have some you know Carlos Correa is a free agent at shortstop there may be some moves that need to be made where do you see Jose Siri uh, next year or the year after? It's it's pretty clear Dusty's a, a massive fan of his. He is, you know, and he was the perfect guy to, to insert uh, in when it looked like the team was a, a little bit tired or, or whatever, whatever you need. And, you know, you've seen those Sunday lineups that mm-hmm. managers like to infuse one of those young guys that have a lot of energy in the lineup and somebody that he can send uh, on a hit and run or a stolen base every once in a while on those on those days when you've played eight or nine games in a row and you insert one or two of those types of players in theory could fit that bill for a long time. Dusty feels, uh, you know, he's mentioned that he may have as much raw talent as anybody on the teams. We, we know that that doesn't always translate into a great consistent performer, but what he does add is a real spark. Uh, he's got a ton of power. He can run into one with the best of them. Uh, and he's super fast, elite speed. Uh, I don't know if you saw the foot speed on that infield yeah. single he beat out the other day, but that's that's elite. He's in the top two or three uh, in baseball uh, with that speed. But uh, he's been a lot of fun. You know, you know, every team uh, kind of rallies around uh, his energy, even when he's not in the ball game. So the the future for him, uh, I, I think, is you know, for somebody who, who spent as long of a time as he has in the minor leagues. 
I think uh, is a lot brighter than it was maybe just two or three months ago. Why do you think Framber Valdez has had his ups and downs? I don't know. You know, and he talked about it, and it surprised me because I heard Urquidy say it earlier in the playoffs too, and I've even heard Luis Garcia talk about it. Uh, they've gotten nervous, you know, and they, they just said that I've kind of gone out there, and, and, and I'm ashamed to say that this moment got a little bit too big for me. So, um, you know, that happens. Uh, he got – it's been up and down for, for Valdez so far in, in the playoffs. But when he's good, he's, he's one of the best lefties uh, that you'll see. And, and especially the way he goes about it, it's very comforting for a, a manager knowing in, in a game of this, this magnitude – when he's on top of his game, that he garners better than 70% ground balls. That percentage is 10% better than anybody else in the big leagues this year. And, and when you can do that in the playoffs, keep the other team in the ballpark, uh, you get the double play that is always in order, uh, the pitch counts low. He's the only guy that's gone eight innings uh, in a start this entire playoff series. And I think it's been in the last 73 games in the postseason, he's the only one to finish eight innings. Um, it's just not the way the game's played anymore, but He's a really tough guy when, when he's pitching well to take out because uh, he's a ground ball away from getting out of any trouble. Steve, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much as always, my friend. Have fun. I will. Thanks, guys. Take care. Take care. Steve Sparks, Astros Radio Analyst. Game 3 goes tonight, 8 o'clock, from Atlanta on Sportsnet and Sportsnet mm. 590. The, fan. the series is tied. Uno apiece. What did I say about Valdez the first time I saw him when I came in the day before or day after? You he did. You said he had the deer in the headlights. I look. said he looked scared. And I hate to say that word out loud, but when, when you hear – the only reason that I, that I brought that up is what, how do you do that? His next start for me, if it lines up, is on the road. If you're Dusty, how do you even know if you're the pitching coach yeah. that he's not going to look like that, act like that, the moment's not going to be big, too big for him? And if you know that going in, what can you do to help him with it? Well – Tonight, and, and Luis Garcia is in the same. We saw Luis Garcia bad start, good start, as well. This is why I've said the most important pitcher for the Astros in this series is Christian Javier. Now you probably don't want to use him tonight. Uh, although there was was an off day yesterday, I, I'll just say this: these next two games, at some point, Christian Javier is going to pitch the most important two innings of the postseason. I'm just going to say that flat out. Some point in these next two games, Christian Javier is going to pitch two innings, two and a third innings, a couple of innings. We're going to look back. The Astros win the world series and go, that was the key. See, I think all the, I, for me anyway, I think all the pressures on, on Brian Snicker, Ian, Ian Anderson. So he gives up two runs, the second inning, his time around comes up in the third inning. I don't know. First and second, second and third, one out. He's coming up. If you have 18 innings to, to to make up for in the next two games, yeah. what do you do if you're Brian? That, for me, is the big – that's the big key now, there is if you're down 2 nothing, his spot comes around, there's a couple runners on, what do you do? Do you pinch hit for him? Do you I leave mean, him out there? You know, my, the first thing I thought of was, but Drew Smiley's starting game four, is he not? That was the first thing I thought of is going with, with – uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to start, but he's going to he's going to have a big role in Game Four. But who who pitches Game Five? Do you do you bring Max yeah. Freed back on short rest, three days rest? Hasn't done that all year. No, they have. They did add. Uh, they had. They added a couple of arms. Perhaps you do that. The guy that that Tucker Davis and the lefty. It's going to be all hands on deck. Is my point. There, there's a lot of unknowns in that. Right. The guy that that I would, and I don't know if you can do this, but if I was looking at a bullpen day, 
the guy that I would would start, and it would it depends on what happens tonight, would be AJ Minter. I ideally I would not use AJ Minter tonight, and he would be the guy that would go out and, and I'd ask you, him to give me a couple what innings. If you have to. I got it, other. It, I got, but but Bark, I got I got lefties coming out of my yin yang. Ian Anderson so, this year has only pitched a hundred, only thrown a hundred pitches in one one game all year, and the most pitches he's thrown in the playoffs is eighty four pitches. So you got to think if you're Brian going into this, you got to maximize his best stuff. Yeah, you're thinking somewhere around eighty pitch mark. That you have to, you're basing that off of what you see somewhere around that eighty pitch mark. There's just so many things that go into that because the next two games you got to figure out how to feel 18 innings. That's... What are you, you going to do that? Do you feel comfortable bringing back feedback? Now, if they lose two games in a row, you may not have a choice but to bring him back because he's going to give you the best chance at least to get to the big three out of the bullpen. But what if you use your big three going into those two games? It's there's so many things that go in tonight. And for me, if you're looking at must wins, I said must win was for the Astros in game two. Because you never want to go on the road, hostile environment, doing that on the road, trying to make up those kind of games, win games to, to get you back in a series. If you're the Braves, this is about as must wins it gets. Yeah, because you don't want to be down two games to one and have essentially have two bullpen days staring Absolute, you in the face. Absolutely. So if you're Brian Snicker, what do you do? Holy moly. Well, I don't. Just, I, I wouldn't want to be Brian Snicker tonight. Like I just to think about third. It's that third inning that, that National that. League rules. We talk about the Astros having to figure out the National League rules. This if you're is, thinking about Ian Anderson, you're say down two runs going into his at bat, a go. couple of runners on. What are you doing? That's what I, I. That was my next. My next point on this is when Charlie Morton went down. I think what happened is effectively the Astros lot of, lost a bit of the edge that the National League rules gave them. Because you're right now. If you're, you're two runs down and it's fifth inning, I don't know, sixth, what do you do? Do you pinch hit? Okay, if Ian Anderson gets you to the fifth inning, you will take that okay, every but day I, but of the what week I'm and saying twice is, on Sunday. Fine, I'm all talking right. about that third inning. Okay, you're down two runs. Inning. He's got 45, 50 pitches. You know what the next two days are bringing. What you have to go through yeah. those next two days, what do you do? But that That's my point. Knowing when Charlie Morton got hurt, the the advantage of playing three, four, and five at home to the Braves, that went out the window to me. Because now, not only do you have to cover those 18 innings over the next two days, but you got to do it knowing that your pitcher's going to hit. Right? It's, it's, you, you can't simply base your decision on necessarily on how effective the guy is. So it... it to me, it means your your leash is a little shorter automatically. Or right now, if you're sitting in your office and you're Brian Snicker, you're praying for a rain out. Oh, yes. Uh, without So you can get Max that, Freed, that goes on, without, Max without Freed on regular rest in game five. Now you're cooking. Well, now, now tonight's game is not, doesn't, or tomorrow's game doesn't mean as much. Yeah, you are, you are absolutely, you are, you are praying for a rain out right now if you're the Braves. I don't, and I know the weather, there was some inclement 50, weather in the area. 50 55 per, degrees, 50% chance of rain. I already looked that up. You don't even have to do that. Oh, there you go. I come prepared. But if you're dusty, on the other hand, you, you got that other team by the sweet spot. <laughs> you're thinking, hey, if, if we can score tonight and win, and win this game, Boy, we can go. We can start standing on some people's necks because now you're running out all these different pitchers, and sooner or later, Brian's going to go with the wrong guy. He, the, you know, do, do you have a lot of confidence in Tucker Davison? Do you have a lot of confidence in Chris Martin? You've got Kyle the, Wright, Dylan Lee. You've bought into the the John huh. Smoltz, philo- Smoltz philosophy that the more often that bullpen door opens, absolutely, the greater the chance that 
You've rolled the wrong. You've called the wrong number. Well, you got to go to nine of them. Sooner or later, you don't pick the wrong one. The wrong one's not going to have his best stuff. Going to fall behind. He's going to hang a breaking ball. It's just, it's a lot to ask. So, And against a team like like Houston that, one, makes a lot of contact. Two, doesn't really care if it's 0-2 in the count. Looks like Jose Altuve may have turned the corner a little bit, which is going to make it a little bit harder. He's the table setter. Michael Brantley's going to do his thing. Bregman may be the X factor in all of this. What if he gets to rolling? He thinks, for me, just listen to everybody talk about him. He can't get out of his own way. Yeah, you've talked about that. Or his own head. He's in his head right now. Yeah. And and maybe going on the road. Maybe having a hostile crowd. Maybe it's like shock treatment for him. I, I don't know. We'll see.